Welcome to this new episode of the Daily Walk Heaven Words podcast. I'm Father Stanislav, and I'm so glad that you're joining me as we open the Word and learn this wonderful reality in our lives. We each have received a talent, but the question is, do you know how much is worth it? And most especially, do you know how to make it grow? Let's open our hearts and minds to receive God's Word, and let's get ready to pray. Let us pray. Grant us, we pray, O Lord our God, the constant gladness of being devoted to you, for it is full and lasting happiness to serve with constancy the author of all that is good. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. A man was going on a journey, called in his servants, and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to a third one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Immediately the one who received five talents went and traded with them and made another five. Likewise, the one who received two made another two. But the man who received one went off and dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came back and settled accounts with them. The one who had received five talents came forward, bringing the additional five. He said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I have made five more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come, share your master's joy. Then the one who had received two talents also came forward and said, Master, you gave me two talents. See, I have made two more. His master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since you were faithful in small matters, I will give you great responsibilities. Come, share your master's joy. Then the one who had received the one talent came forward and said, Master, I knew you were a demanding person, harvesting where you did not plant and gathering where you did not scatter. So out of fear, I went off and buried your talent in the ground. Here it is back. His master said to him in reply, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I did not plant and gather where I did not scatter? Should you not then have put my money in the bank so that I could have got it back with interest on my return. Now then, take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten. For to one who has, more will be given and he will grow rich. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And throw this useless servant into the darkness outside, 
where they will be wailing and grinding of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord. We are taking as a church another step closer to the end of the liturgical year as disciples of Jesus. We are always moving towards, and towards him. But next Sunday, it will be the last Sunday in, uh, of this year. And therefore, we will really focus on uh, the final exam, quote unquote, okay? The things that we are gonna be asked when we will see God face to face. But of course, we need to have the right mindset because I shared this with you a couple of weeks ago that I considered this event when God will come to judge the living and the dead to be a very stressful time. And I thought it was very unkind of God to come and judge all of us. Who does he think he is, right? But in reality, Jesus is showing us to all of us that uh, this event is a joyful event because finally God God's plan will be fulfilled. And what do we see? What is this plan all about? When he wants to share, wants us to share in his joy. And the predominant image that we have from scripture is that of a big party, of a big feast, where God will serve the best food and the best wine, and he himself will come around and, give, and serve the food to us. That's a beautiful image, don't you think? More than the one I had in mind, where he will come with the magic clipboard where everything I did will show up. So I will be, you know, I will get caught and this is it. I, you know, how can you skip that? I mean, I'm good at talking, but you can't talk your way out of that one. But anyway, so it's very important, therefore, that we always form our mind, make sure that what we believe is based on what Jesus told us. Why? Because what we believe shapes our behavior. Now, do you remember last Sunday? We had the parable of the ten virgins. Five, the bridesmaids. Five were considered to be wise, and five were considered to be foolish. What was the difference between the two groups? What made one wise and the other foolish? Well, the wise one were wise because they knew how to do certain things. They took their job seriously, and they said, you know, something can happen. Uh, the, it, there is always a delay, so let's be ready. Because being a bridesmaid was very important. If they were not prepared, they would bring a lot of shame on the bride and bridegroom. And mm, you don't want to do that, especially on their wedding day. So. The other ones, instead, what did they say? Like, eh, whatever, well, you know. How we, we're going to take it as it comes because that's our personality. That's all very nice, except that sometimes that attitude does not work. We are asked to be wise. In fact, in the first reading today, we get this image of this woman that is praised, not because she knows how to do housework, but because she knows how to work with what she has. Remember, wisdom is to know what to do with what you have, okay? That's what the Bible understands as wisdom, not these philosophical things that we may know. That, they, couldn't be, they couldn't care. They were concerned about, do you know to do, do you know 
what to do with the stuff you have. Why? Because that's a way that we can imitate God, who worked in creation in a way with his hands. You remember how he made Adam. He made it with clay, you know, with the dirt, with his hands. Okay. So, in fact, even in, the, in church, even at Mass, in the liturgy, we have this concept uh, celebrated um, in the, the, the quote-unquote offertory, the presentation of the gifts. What do we bring to God? We bring to God bread and wine. We don't bring grains and grapes, right? We are taking whatever God gives us, grains and grapes. We, with the work of our hands, we know how to do it. Well, we, I don't, but somebody does. And, uh, and they become bread and wine. And that's what we bring to God. Right? And in one of the prayers, of the liturgical prayers during the Christmas season, it's one of my favorites because it says, Lord, look what we did what, with what you gave us. Now we're going to offer it back to you so that you can give us Jesus. And that reminds us that for us Christians, everything we do can be done with this awareness that we can experience the presence of Christ. Whether, for example, we are doing the dishes, okay, well, that's what I need to do. I'm going to do it so well because I can even come up with a, a meditation, right? Lord, you're cleansing me from all my sins, you know, whatever it is. The water will remind us of baptism. We become aware, as we hear in the second reading, St. Paul inviting the Thessalonians and all of us to stay awake, to become aware of what's happening and not drowsy. Like on Thanksgiving Day, after too much turkey, what do we do? You go like, oh. okay. That's the opposite. <laughs> Christian life is the opposite of what we feel after a big turkey meal, all right? All right, yeah, that, we'll never find that reference as a, in a commentary on scriptures, but we know what it means. Um, good, so now we enter into, without this mindset, we want to understand this parable because obviously it's a parable that is given to us about the end time, and we want to make sure that we understand it. Unfortunately, it's a beautiful parable, but unfortunately, there are a lot of things that may make us misunderstand the parable. Let's find out. First of all, we have this master, this guy, this man who's going on a long journey. And what does he do? He takes all that he has and he hands it over to his servants, to three servants. Obviously, they're not generic servants. They, they were functionaries, you know. They were, they were officers. They were, there was uh, a hierarchy of servants. These guys must have been on top. And what does he do? He gives to one five talents, to one two, and one one talent. First of all, the word handing over is very important because it's the same verb in Greek that refers to the moment when Jesus was handed over to those who killed him. Okay? So they already made, would have made that connection to the crucifixion. Then another thing, his goods, the, that which he passes on to his servants, is not only referring to the stuff that he has, the wealth that he has, but the word refers to something that he is. So the wealth, the, 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 the material thing, is who he is. Do you understand the difference? It refers to someone, something that he is. And that is what he's passing on. 
And this passing on takes the shapes of these talents. Now, in English, talents, like in Italian, talents refers to that gift that we have that allows us to do certain things in a wonderful way, right? I have, we all have talents. Uh, we all have some gifts. My gift, for example, is to put people asleep when I preach. It's a great gift. And, uh, but other people can play violin very well. You know, the, we, we have all these talents. We have a show, America's Got Talent. You know, we immediately think as talents as that. So many, I read this parable for many years, thinking that it is about the gifts that God has given us, that God wants to put our talents at the service of the kingdom. And which is true, God does want that. But the parable cannot be about that, why? Because at the end, this, the guy who had only one talent, the talent is transferred, right? He's taken from one person to another. And talents cannot be done, you cannot deal with uh, talent in this way. As a matter of fact, they remind me of the oil, of the parable of last Sunday. There are certain things in life that cannot be transferred. You either have it or you don't. All right, so we all have talents, so what are these talents about? Let's think about this. And I remember an illustration in my Bible that depicted this man, um, there were three men here, this guy in front of them, one had a big pouch, the other one had a medium-sized pouch, and then this guy was given to this other man one coin, okay, because it refers to money, which is true, but we must understand and must visualize the talent not as a coin, but I want you to visualize an ingot, like the a block of uh, gold. I've seen on television. I think they exist, I've never seen one. But imagine you, vi okay, so visualize this chunk of gold, okay? A talent refers to the weight. The talent refers to the, I need you to say the word, weight. The talent refers to weight, okay? Because that is an important word, okay? So put a pen on that word. So this chunk of gold that they received, you have to visualize it that is one is about 60 pounds heavy. Okay? So we are talking about a lot of gold. 60 pounds is a lot. So you, do you see the little pouch? That's a, they, they probably had a cart. But imagine one chunk of gold that is 60 pounds heavy, you would, it would be the equivalent of a, of a salary for 20 years. The guy would have been happy for the rest of his life with one of these. One gets five, one gets two, and one gets one. They each get one, and they, now what do they do? They do? Immediately, two of them go and engage with others, so that those talents become a lot. One guy doesn't. But first of all, what has, right now, how much did we learn about, what do we know about this man who's going on a journey? First of all, he's incredibly wealthy, isn't it? I mean, if you have all that chunk of gold in your house, it means you're doing okay. So he's very, very wealthy and incredibly generous 
and trusting. The guy is giving you a lot of gold and says, I'm going to go for a journey. Well, when he comes back, he may or may not find you there, right? Now you could go, I'm going to go to the Bahamas for the rest of my life, you know, somewhere. Why? How is he going to find me? And yet he trusts them, right? It's amazing. Now, what else do we hear later on? We hear that when they go and say, look, I made five more, he says, very good, faithful servant. You were faithful in small matters. Small matters. All that gold, small matters. Why? Because this man's is focused, this man's treasure is not that. He doesn't consider the gold to be important. What does he want to? That he shares in his joy. That is important for the master. You see, it's absolutely there. But now the guy who has only one talent finds himself with his own catechism in his mind, and he says to the guy, to, to the master, well, I know you're a, a terrible guy because you harvest where you didn't plant, uh, you are very demanding, and you put people, and so I was afraid, and I didn't do anything. Where did he get that idea? Now, this is the same guy that is the master of the other two as well, right? Where did he get that idea? Well, he had his own catechism, his own, his own ideas about who the master was, and he didn't even check with the other two guys and say, guys, what are you doing with that money? Yeah, oh, well, we're doing something. Nope, he was like, oh, I don't care. He's a bad guy, and I don't do anything about it. You see how important it is that we learn from Jesus to know God rather than our own ideas. I had a wrong idea about the judgment because I thought God was there with the clipboard and, you know, uh, waving his finger. I had to learn the lesson. So now, at the end, we see that like the foolish bridesmaid, the door was closed. This guy is going to be thrown out. And that's the reality of the end. God will respect our choices to the very end. So what can, how can we put this parable into practice? What can we do to make it alive in us? Because our eternal life is at stake here. What is, what is this parable about? Is it about money? Is it about trading? If not about talent, what are we doing with this parable? I did not know. And I scratched my head, rubbed my beard, and you can see I've done a lot of scratching. And uh, well, guess what? I asked myself, would the community of Matthew make the connection with something that I don't know? And they did, of course. The community of Matthew was made by, a lot by a Jewish people. So I said, how would they have heard and read this parable? Guess what? There is a connection. What did we learn about the talent? The talent was, I told you to remember the word. The word was? heavy, okay? The talents were heavy. Can you say the word heavy? Heavy, okay. Now, in a Jewish, um, in the Jewish scriptures in the Old Testament, when you would go to the temple, we read, you would contemplate the heaviness of the Lord. That's what the text says. 
So there is something about God that is heavy. I immediately think of, does God carry any weight in my life? But then where was this heaviness of the Lord available in the temple so that they would contemplate? And it was right on top of the ark, the box. There were two cherubim, and that's what they said, this heaviness of the Lord was. But that place is called the mercy seat, the seat where mercy flows. So they were contemplating this heaviness and they, as they experienced mercy. The word heaviness of God comes into the New Testament under the word doxa. And doxa makes it into English as glory. The glory of the Lord literally means the heaviness of the Lord. Why? I don't know. But that's what the Hebrew word means, kabod. That's what it means, heaviness. So they would have made the connection not with America's God's talent, but with the heaviness of the Lord in the temple. Do you understand? Because that's what the word is. And therefore, they were able to think the glory of the Lord is experienced through mercy. The more mercy you receive, the more God's glory becomes available and visible. We do the same, don't we? Is there a connection? How do we begin Mass? We say, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. And what happens next? We all go in glory to God in the highest. Right? Mercy, 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 glory. Do you think there is a connection? Very likely. So, how do we experience the glory of God? Through His mercy. Okay. Now, let's get, get all this stuff into the parable and let's plan, land this plane. All right? So, God now, uh, the, the master, you remember, is something that he has. What does he have? Mercy. Love. So, he hands over to one a large dose of mercy, to another a medium dose of mercy and another one a small amount to each according to what they experienced but they all received God's mercy now what did they do the first two were able to take God's mercy and exchange it so I'm forgiven I'm gonna forgive you you forgive you uh, the other and the other one forgives another and therefore the talents grew right and when they went back to God, they're like, ta-da! We all experience your love. And the glory of God shines brighter. What happens to the guy who only had one talent? He kept the mercy, and he didn't do anything with it. Boo. Now, listen, the gifts of God works in the opposite way of our gifts. If I, have, I would receive $100 as a gift, and I give to you part of this gift, a dollar each. Every time I do that, my gift becomes smaller, right? But with the gifts of God, every time we use it, they grow. So I receive mercy. The more I'm merciful, the more I experience mercy and God's glory. They, they work the opposite way. All right? Now, now you know. Let's all go out there and use God's gifts. So now, what is the point of all these things? Well, first of all, we know that God is incredibly merciful. He's willing to, through the death and resurrection 
the, the death and resurrection of his son to extend his mercy to all of us. And we have all received it. Okay? Now, what are we supposed to do? Share it. Share the love. Share the mercy. Make sure that we use this gift in our lives. Let's become aware of how much God has forgiven us, of the mercy that we have received. And the more we become aware of it, the more we extend it. And therefore, throughout this week, I'm challenging you, as I've been challenged by the Word, to do just this. Who needs God's mercy right now in your family, among your friends, co-workers, neighbors? How can you be a conduit of God's mercy to them? How can you share mercy to others? And what happens? Well, we don't know. But mercy shared will allow to grow. And maybe they will be able to forgive others and others and others. And we will live in that which the gospel calls the kingdom of God, the presence of God in our midst. Isn't that exciting? So as we continue to pray, we want to thank the Lord that he revealed himself to us as a loving father, a merciful father who fills our heart with his love. And he's telling us, what matters is that you come and share with me in my joy. And the only way of doing it, this life, live this eternal life, is by receiving love and mercy and share love and mercy. And that will allow us all to go upwards, to go closer and closer to God. So as we continue to pray, we want to bring our commitment to God to make sure that we celebrate His mercy and be ready to share it with all people, because this is the life of the children of God. I hope you felt inspired by the gospel to open up your heart and look and enjoy the gift that God has given you. But certainly look around you and find out how can you make that talent grow. We all experience in our lives moments in which we know that we can experience God's mercy and we can share it with other people so that it can grow. It's going to be an exciting time for us because now we know the gift that God has given us. I wish you well and I'll talk to you soon. Please continue to pray for all of us involved in the ministry of the word as we pray for all of you. God bless and talk to you soon. Bye-bye.